0: Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. I want to start by saying happy birthday. Thank you. I will not sing. (laughs) Thank you. You you are 42. (laughs) 42. How do you feel?
1: I feel great. I feel like my response to 42 is like, fuck yeah, I'm 42. You know, I think people get so, especially women get so freaked out about aging and getting into their 40s and, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm having none of that.
0: I think my 40s uh, was my favorite decade.
1: Was it really? Why? Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, 20s is just exploration. 20s is just uh, just pushing things as far as you can to see what mm-hmm. will happen. 30s you kind of turn the corner i think uh, this is a generalization but especially for men mid 30s you start asking different questions mm-hmm. um you start you know wanting to become self-aware all that kind of stuff you, you want to be better um i think for, i think for women it comes earlier and then i think mm-hmm. uh 40s you get to a place where you're like okay now now i'm actually um there's a lot of acceptance i like myself uh mm-hmm. of course there are things i can i could work on but um I started noticing trees at 40. You know, 40, I started to yeah. uh, I mean, you know, all the things that you talk about, tiny little jo- little joys. I I didn't have any ability or capacity like to me that would have been ridiculous. I I would I would roll mm-hmm. my eyes at that, you know, in my mm-hmm. 20s and 30s. 40s I got it and then now being 50, um I feel the most kind of grounded. Uh I mean, I still have, you know, insecurities and of course I want a lot of yeah, things totally. and stuff, but um i'm 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 not uh rocked off my center as much as i i I used to be if that makes sense
1: yeah totally you know what i'm noticing about 40s too is like the nature of goals is shifting a little bit so that like Mm. i want a goal not because of some insecurity or some sense of deficiency i want the goal just for the sake of it you know what i mean yeah I don't know if well, let sense, me ask you this, an and idea. I know
0: we, we, um, by the way, we have an exciting episode for you today. Um, but how? So, so how has, ha, has your goal changed? Meaning, um, from your 30s or 20s into now your 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 early 40s, is it? It's not that you want less. Is it that you want different, or what matters to you is different?
1: I think that like the nature of the wanting is different, if that makes sense. Like it's – I I definitely don't want less. I think I might even want more. But I think in the 20s and 30s, I felt very much like I was climbing a ladder. I was chasing. I was proving myself. I was like, you know, doing these things. And now I'm like, no, I have things to do. I have stuff Mm -hmm. to say. I have things I want to accomplish, not because that is going to show me that I'm legit, but because it's just a thing I want in itself, you know?
0: Do you believe in yourself more these days? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of hard not to because you, even if you are resistant to that, there's this much longer history of surviving, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like I have, I I know a lot more clearly what I'm capable of because I keep doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, the scoreboard says so.
1: Yeah. And I think now I'm in this space, and this is funny too, because I feel like this is maybe a reverse of what you just said, where I'm like, oh, how far can I push this? Like my goal when oh. I turned 40 was to get as strong <laughs> right. as, I, as I could. And now I'm like, okay, so I got, I definitely am stronger than I ever was in my life. Now I want to go, I want to see where's the limit, you know? Well,
0: okay. So yes, um, I think in your 20s, you're doing it um out of either rebellion so the why mm. is different um pushing yeah, right. because um maybe because you don't like yourself or maybe because you want mm-hmm. to prove someone wrong it's very kind of uh, oh, what's the word it's um reckless yeah so in your 40s you're pushing past limits and and living on the edge and being curious. And it's not coming from mm-hmm. a reckless place. It's coming from, um, I believe I, I can, it's coming from a sense of worth place. I think that's yes. the
1: difference. Yep, exactly. I think that's perfectly said. That's exactly what it feels like.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to talk about, uh, trauma bonds. I mean, speaking of twenties, thirties, um, a lot of the trauma bonds happen, um, I don't know if this is true. I, was, I don't know why I'm saying this, Maybe maybe it's for me. Uh, a lot of trauma bond bonding happened for me early on. So young love, um, mm. just because we're not aware and we can mistake those mm. as, um, as falling in love or the one, you know, because there's a lot of uh, chemicals that are shooting in your brain. Yeah. Dr. MC McDonald, good friend of mine. And now officially a regular on my podcast because you've been on my podcast multiple times. Woo. And, um, I love that. We just text each other and you're on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go through, uh, our people scheduling all the right. stuff that, that, you <laughs> know, um, some guests require. So, uh, we're going to talk about trauma bonds. She wrote an article on psychology today. It's up there if you want to check it out about, uh, trauma bonds. We also ran a retreat on this topic and we also have a video course that you're going to, um, have access to on either of our platforms coming out soon. So uh, this is a big topic and um, I don't know about you, but I get tons of questions about trauma bonds.
1: I do. Yeah. And I see a lot of um, kind of misinformation too floating out there, which worries me because I think this is something we really need to get right because that's the thing that makes it possible for us to get out of these situations when we find Mm -hmm. ourselves in them and not feel shame for repeating them, which we often do. And so, so yeah, I get a lot of questions about it for sure. I have your
0: article in front of me, um, but I want to start with this. And I think your article does the same definition. What is a trauma bond?
1: So this is a great question. And I think this is where a lot of the misinformation comes from. We've now used this term to define a lot of things, but it comes from somewhere really specific. And so the, the official definition is, Mm -hmm. Whenever you have a relationship that has intermittent harassment, abuse, or intimidation that's mixed in with really intense bonding and love, what that then creates is this sort of like alchemy where you get this incredibly strong bond that actually changes, Mm -hmm. can change the personality of both people in the dynamic and make it very, very difficult to get out.
0: Is that bond stronger depending on um, if it's familiar or smells familiar to your childhood?
1: I think it's stickier, yes. And yeah. I think like when you said a second ago that a lot of your trauma bonding happened in your 20s and, and mm-hmm. like earlier in life, I think it's one of the reasons for that is because we don't yet know how to recognize the red flags that actually signal relationship mm-hmm. abuse you know, when we think of abuse, nobody likes talking about that word because it sounds like we're talking about the most extreme examples, but right,
0: like, like, uh, no one, no one's hitting each other. So it's not abuse. Right,
1: right exactly. Right. But, you know, relationship abuse, as you know, can consist in like emotional manipulation, mm-hmm. gaslighting, um, silent treatment, gaslighting, yeah. and financial and in your abuse. 20s, yes. Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah. That's actually really shockingly common. Um, yeah. or shocking to me. I didn't realize how common it was. Um, and it can be shaming, it can be vague threats. Like mm-hmm. it, can be, um, it can be a lot more covert than we realize. And so when you're in your 20s, especially if it's like your first love, you're not going to necessarily know how to identify or contextualize any of those experiences. And so then you get stuck and then you repeat and then you repeat and then you repeat. And if the source is coming from stuff in your childhood, I think the fact that it feels like home becomes like a really strong magnetic pull for you to yeah. stay.
0: Yeah, in in a weird way, it feels safe, even though it's not safe, because yeah. that's kind of what you're used to.
1: Yeah, and it feels safe in your system, like your whole like body feels safe because mm-hmm. it feels like fami- it feels so familiar.
0: This is a good transition, and um, one of the what I thought was one of one of the interesting um, parts about her article is uh, why we repeat them. So it's not just being aware, um, mm-hmm. it's actually breaking the pattern. Uh, most of us, if we're not aware, we are, we are repeating them. So uh, in your mm-hmm. article, you talk about, uh, and I think you give three points, but uh, why we repeat. Yeah, And this, this is the whole thing um, when you're at brunch with your friends and after a breakup and you're like, yeah, I keep dating the same person. It's only the faces mm-hmm. change. Uh, there's this repetitive behavior going on or being attracted to the same type of person.
1: Yeah, pattern recognition is such a, powerful, like, mm-hmm. such a powerful tool for self-reflection. But I think it often gets clouded. Whenever we have a pattern, we have tons of information. But that information doesn't get released to us if we are steeping ourselves in shame. Mm-hmm. And so when we find out we're repeating the same relationship over and over, our first move is to go to like, oh, why can't I get my shit together? We shame ourselves for it mm-hmm. instead of investigating, okay, what why is this happening? Like, why am I attracted to this kind of person? And what, what reveals itself when I'm able to look at this without shame? And so there's four theories about why we repeat these sticky, awful relationships, even if we cognitively know that we want a healthier relationship. The first one is really simple. We repeat because we want to master so there's mm-hmm. something that happened to us early in life or a previous relationship. And relationship could be anything in the course of your lifetime. So that could be with your right. best friend growing up. It could be a relation- your first love. It could be a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something that you haven't mastered that happened before. And so your brain is kind of bringing you to the situation again. So you have the opportunity to master what you didn't before when you say the, when you say
0: "master, um are you mm-hmm. saying to correct to give yourself a corrective? What do you mean by master?
1: To integrate, to understand mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. you can figure out how to put that kind of relationship away in the larger story arc of mm-hmm. your life. So like, I think if we work with an example, maybe it's easier. So if you had a parent who who was um emotionally abusive, if they neglected you emotionally, you might that's that's not something that you have the capacity to integrate between the ages of zero and eighteen, just in right. terms of like brain development or tools. And so you find yourself attracted to people who neglect you over and over and over again. And part of what your system is doing is putting you back in that same situation so that you can integrate what happened originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a uh, um, as you talk about it, uh, just with trauma in general. There's almost like a um, a filing or a refiling that you're mm-hmm. doing, you know, kind of naturally or trying to do.
1: Yeah, totally. All of our experiences just want to be like organized and understood. And and when we, when something isn't integrated, we have a, our brain has a huge problem with that. The, so um, this, um, why we
0: repeat one is mastering. Two? Yeah.
1: The other one is going to sound counterintuitive is to actually avoid mastery. So sometimes I think mm-hmm. we repeat because again, if going back to the example of if you had emotional neglect in your childhood and you haven't processed that yet, then that means that you haven't really looked at what it means for you to have parents who neglected you. That's a heavy thing to understand Mm -hmm. and contextualize. So sometimes it's easier to repeat the situation and then it's just the way the world is. And you don't really have to come to any, like come to Jesus about your parents. So sometimes Mm. I think we repeat to avoid mastery.
0: That's really interesting. Right. So like a part, so a part of us is um, trying to master and then a part of us, can they both happen the same time simultaneously?
1: Oh, I think so. Totally. Yeah, because yeah. we, you know, our behavior, like, I think we're so funny because we think, especially this day and age when we have so much access to psychology and, and different mm-hmm. ideas, I think we think we know ourselves much more than we're actually capable of knowing ourselves because part of what it means to be human is to be hidden from ourselves mm. you know and well, so, also the uh, the
0: com- complexity of us as well totally because you know? i think we're always yeah. trying to simplify yes yeah
1: totally and pin it to one thing and say well yeah. this is because i'm an infj or this is because i'm an enneagram five right, or right. whatever and it's right. like Whoa. or
0: yeah i'm an aries
1: <laughs> right there's probably like 40 different layers to that yes. that contribute and yeah so i think so, sometimes so we've both re-
0: pistons are pumping uh they're both they mm-hmm. could be both happening at the same time um what else there was there was more there's two
1: more. So, okay. so one is that, so another one is that we repeat because it feels like home, which we've talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit. Like essentially mm-hmm. in this case, you're in your twenties, you don't even recognize that your relationship contains emotional neglect because you haven't even realized that your childhood contained emotional right. neglect. It just right. looks the same.
0: Yeah. It feels I mean, the what, same. What, you and, real, what you realize is uh, um, how you feel. I mean, in right. your twenties, you just go by how you feel and everything's kind of life or death yep. and extreme. Yeah. So the feelings yep. are extreme.
1: Totally. And by the way, like you can have this come out in like a work relationship. It doesn't necessarily have right. to be a romantic right. relationship. I noticed this in a big way in, in, in bosses, that mm. there was this sort of pattern of like a very specific type of volatile boss. And I was like, "Why am I so comfortable with these people? Like yeah. off the bat, they feel like home." And then I was like, "Oh, because they feel like home. Like that's what my mom was like." So yeah, and I wonder
0: if if there's a part of that where uh, whether it is, um, you know, your professor, your boss, or that kind of mm-hmm. a, a authority, where you're um, part of you also trying to uh, seek uh, seek their approval, validation, totally. You know, yeah. because that's what you're used to doing. And maybe, um, parents didn't give you that or you're always, uh, you know, trying to get validation. Yeah. So trying to get, yeah, there's,
1: yeah, exactly. Whatever's unintegrated comes out in that behavior. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, if we don't bring it into the light, we don't know. There's a Carl Jung quote about this that I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's very simple. I think it's on my website just about like what we don't bring into the light motivates our behavior. And we don't Mm -hmm. then know what's motivating our behavior. And the last one, which I think is the most hopeful, is that we repeat and we then get stuck repeating because of our neurobiology. So there's a thing in the brain called the Mohawk of self-awareness, which is essentially just a bunch of brain structures that kind of wire together to make you into a self. Mm -hmm. So someone who knows what they want can orient yourself in space and time, make decisions, and then execute on those decisions. And when you're in um, a trauma bond, research has shown that those parts of the brain stop lighting up Mm -hmm. because you're so overtaken with the other person making sure that they're okay, orienting yourself in that relationship and dealing with the chaos that you, you actually lose yourself.
0: Hey, I wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons. But what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. Yeah, so it's almost like you don't have the ability to see red flags. Totally. You know?
1: Totally. And so, and then, and even if you could see them, or even if like a friend pointed it out, like I think one of the places we fail the most in society is in the way that we fail to support people who are in abusive relationships or trauma bonds. Because we're like, don't you see the red flag? And the person's like, no, I see it. But then they don't do anything. And then we get frustrated. Yes, frustrated. Right.
0: right. And um, this is why DV, uh, domestic uh, violence, and those kind of relationships are complicated. And it's not as simple as um, you're not being treated well, just get out. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. And it's almost
0: like uh, you almost don't have the ability. Ability to see, and if you do, um, you can minimize. And then there's all this other mm-hmm. stuff, you know, afraid to leave and, and all that.
1: Oh yeah, financial stuff, kids, like whatever
0: else yeah. is in mesh. Totally, yeah, super complicated.
1: Yeah, it takes someone in an abusive relationship an average of nine attempts. It's either seven or nine. I can't remember wow. to actually get away actually for good. Leave. Yeah. Wow.
0: So let me ask you this. Uh, mm-hmm. if, you've, if you've had uh, uh, or you, you realize that you um, are attracted to trauma bonds, you've had that in your life, that's been a mm-hmm. pattern for you. Um, now what? What do you do once you're aware? I mean, is it so, as easy as yeah. picking a different relationship?
1: Well no I think so I think the first thing to do is to try to get yourself out of the one that you're in and I think even that sometimes is too big of a step. I think the the hopeful thing about knowing some of the neurobiology behind a trauma bond is that once we know what's like at play in the brain then we know what to do to counter it. And so right. I would suggest that the very very first step is that you try to reconnect that Mohawk of self-awareness and the ways that you do that are to reconnect with yourself. Um, Mm. And you can do this in tiny little ways, like make start making playlists from every decade of your life to reconnect with the music that motivated you when you were 20, or 10, or whatever. Mm. Um, You know, get back into old hobbies that you used to do. And you can be doing this as you're contemplating leaving. And then um, what that will accomplish is that you'll start to reconnect to the brain parts that have gotten disconnected, which will help Mm -hmm. it make the choice, Eventually to get out and then I think this is a place where we really need to rely on other people for support and um, have a trusted group of friends or family or even one or two people that can mirror reality back to you when you're getting lost mm-hmm. um, and then you know, I think we talked about this a lot at the retreat actually like getting into a different kind of relationship is a whole other piece of yeah. this because. Yeah. When there's all this neuroscience and chemistry going on in these trauma bonds, a healthy relationship can feel really weird, boring, yeah. boring. or dangerous. yeah,
0: yeah. well, dangerous also because healthy may mean yeah. that you may have to show sides of yourself that you never exactly. have or be vulnerable right. or yeah, make eye contact right. Be make there, love. show up. <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: be and and like allow yourself to be seen, you yeah,
0: know? yeah.
1: So, and so let me ask it. you
0: this when you when yeah. you um I believe that uh there's nothing more convincing than a new experience so not just uh mm-hmm. um something in your mind but um convincing your body that you are safe or lovable or whatever it is right whatever yep. limited belief that you have um if you then choose someone um uh, who is healthy uh mm-hmm. and 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 there I feel like there's a tipping point where you got to swim past all the discomfort, mm-hmm. and you know the, the labels you're going to put on this, or maybe you're going to want to run that that knee jerk. But when yep. you get to oh, okay, now I could be in this. I'm actually now starting to like this. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens? Are you now rewiring or reconditioning your your brain? Um, yeah, you're you're probably. Definition?
1: Yeah, I think you're doing all three things like you're, you're reintegrating the memory that didn't get integrated the first Mm -hmm. time or the experience that didn't get integrated. So you're healing your past, you're giving yourself opposite action, or as you say, opposite experience, Mm -hmm. which trauma needs opposite action, we can't just do this cognitively. And then on a kind of um, nervous system level, allowing yourself to move through the discomfort of being in a healthy Mm -hmm. relationship is its own healing, because you're, you're, It's like you're, if you imagine your body as like a a small scared toddler, it's like you're leading that toddler to safety. And all the while you're saying to it, like, I know this is scary, but I promise you this is the way, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: I, uh, I, I also want to point out that, uh, or remind people that it doesn't mean um, to make a choice. Like you don't have to just eat broccoli. You're not just right. going to be with someone just because you know that person's safe, but there's no attraction. I mean, you still have to, you know, you, we all have types and we're attracted to, and we can't just throw that out the window.
1: Right. Because then that's, that's not like going to last.
0: That's not going to have red right, legs either.
1: Right. Totally. And I think um, we, we, there's so much noise out there about this. Again, like we talked mm-hmm. about this a lot, like I think you can think of it as like a different kind of fuel source. Like when you're in a in a really volatile relationship, when you're in a trauma bond, there's a lot of chemistry, but it's very like flash in the pan, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're in a healthy relationship, there should also be chemistry. Like I don't think we're trying to advocate for boring relationships, um, but the, the the fuel source is more sustainable. So instead of a flash in the pan, you have like a kind of growing connection and the chemistry is always there. And maybe it's at the same level. It doesn't have those huge ups and downs, but that Mm -hmm. eventually when you kind of get used to being in the same spot instead of the ups and downs, you realize that that sustainable fuel source chemistry feels so much better. You know?
0: Mm. Yeah. It's not just sugar.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I had this, um, Revelation lately. Um, I remember early on when I was a screenwriter, and um, uh, I got my first uh, um agent, and she mm-hmm. was a kind of a boutique agency, and uh, she really believed in me. and I remember I left her for um a bigger agency mm. and uh, one of the one of the 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 top three biggest. and I remember her saying to me, John, you, you always go for like the name brand or the cooler mm-hmm. thing or the designer. And I remember um, she said this kind of hurt. And I remember it really stuck with me. And when I uh, and at the time, I probably was defensive, but it's true. And I think where that comes from is um, I know this is kind of off topic, but, you know, I throw boomerangs and the, the, hopefully they come back uh, <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> it's never mm-hmm. as long as it's under the umbrella of life um, right. in the <laughs> 80s, because my parents were always gone. And, and this was, in, in a way, traumatic. Um, mm. I was always, um, as a Korean-American here, uh, I mean, starting with a bull haircut and not fitting in, growing up in the mm. 80s where uh, we were the only Asian-American family, I mean, for blocks, so everyone was, was basically Caucasian. Um, yeah. Feeling like an outsider, I always, I was positioned to um, try to fit in. And so mm. I got to fit in if I wore designer jeans or if i had cool mm-hmm. shoes or if or if i had some kind of ability like if i could spin on my head or you yeah. know pop a wheelie around the block um, so i think that trained me or it kind of laid these tracks for when i'm older always trying to um, whether it is uh, get the biggest agent or or uh, or chase the, the prettiest girl in the room or wear designer jeans, whatever it is, just mm-hmm. trying to fit in, trying to be a part of the quad, if you will, yeah. Um, because yeah. because me lacking, you know, a sense of self and and, and um, I say that because I think um, going back to trauma bonds, I, I think uh, um, one of my patterns. Uh, because my, in a way that childhood was traumatic, even though it wasn't traumatic in, in what, what usually people think as far as like, you know, abuse or sexual abuse, but it was traumatic because I, I, I was very alone and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've always felt incomplete. So I had to fit in. So there was this, uh, urgency, there was this uh fight or flight, there was panic, there was desperation. Um, and so, uh, I, 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 I think in relationships, a lot of, um, as I got older, Um, trying to get approval by chasing Mm. um, the the prettiest girl in the room or trying to, quote, unquote, get someone Mm. so that could be my ticket into the quad.
1: And that's so – like I'm so glad you shared that story actually because I think it's so important and it reflects back on why it's so critical that we define trauma correctly because if we have Mm -hmm. the wrong definition floating around there and we say – okay, the only traumas that are real are sexual assault and physical abuse and combat, Yeah. right? Then you miss that that was a formative experience for you. You miss that you felt um, isolated in that way, Mm -hmm. that was dangerous, Mm -hmm. that was interpreted by your system as danger. And so then you carry that wound into all of your relationships and all of your behavior comes out of that. And that can go successfully or it can pull you apart or both, right? It can go yeah. successfully for a little while and then it can start to pull you apart because you never feel comfortable or safe in one place with one person and one mm-hmm. agency or one mm-hmm. job. You know what I mean? Um, you know,
0: You know what's ironic is the <laughs> the, the agency that I, I left her for, um, yeah. they were too big for me at the time. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm with them now. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Yeah, full same circle. Agency. Yeah, full circle. Um, That's wild. I've also been in L.A. for so long. Yeah. Um, this is really interesting. Uh, and, 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 you know, um, one of the things that, that, uh, that we talk, and maybe you can repeat it here, um, is yeah. uh, just, you know, now we're talking about trauma in general. Um, your definition of trauma, which I think is, is actually beautiful
1: oh thank you yeah and by the way there's a whole chapter on trauma bonds in my book unbroken the trauma Mm -hmm. response is never wrong so if you if you're interested in this and you want to do more of a deep dive there's a case study that i think is really reflective of what these things feel like from the inside um but trauma in in my definition is anytime you have an unbearable emotional experience that Mm -hmm. lacks a relational home yeah and what is unbearable to you at any point in your life depends on where you are. And so, right. when you're ten or twelve or fifteen, y- you might look back now from fifty and say, like, "Oh, what a silly thing to want designer jeans!" But mm-hmm. at twelve,
0: yeah, that was when, when people make fun of you if right. you didn't have them. Yeah,
1: right. That yeah. was overwhelming in a way. You had no relational home for, and so then that that totally sets itself up for, for trauma later in life.
0: You know um, what's kind of sad is I think uh, our high school is or that whole experience uh, for most people is unbearable, um, unless yeah. you were lucky to be um, you know one yeah. of the cool kids or super attractive or whatever. Um, for most people, high school was traumatic. That was yep. an unbearable, <laughs> unbearable but, uh, yeah. space. That 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 yeah.
1: Or middle school maybe, and then high school is yeah. okay. But then yeah. like you, and the and the thing of that is that we then carry that into our adulthoods and we don't understand ourselves. Yeah. So our behavior starts to come out and we, we sabotage ourselves and our success. And it's because of this stuff that we didn't even label as traumatic. We don't validate, you know?
0: Yeah. And uh, this is also why um, I love what you're doing. I love that you are taking, um, such a cemented definition of trauma and, um, adding water, making it wet cement, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, kind of redefining it. Uh, you could pick up her book. It's wide on Amazon or anywhere. Uh, it's called Unbroken and, yeah. um, uh, it's your first, well, it's not your first book because you've written, um, academic books. Yeah. It's,
1: it's the third, but it's the first, first in the, yeah. That's yours, the, Yeah. And it's also like in the trade space. Academic books are so expensive. I love the other two, but they're, you know, $85 or whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Unbroken is a lot less.
1: Yes. It's like 19 or 17 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a Kindle version and an audio book, which are even cheaper. So
0: yeah. So pick up that book. Uh, You could also follow her. Um, She's trying to be active on social media as much as she can, you know, juggling everything that that, that she does. But uh, um, is your TikTok and Instagram the same handle?
1: Yep, it's just mcph mc.phd, sorry, yeah. on both Instagram and and uh, TikTok.
0: Is that also your new license plate? mc.phd? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I should check to see if I can get that one. That's funny. I have
0: um, I think I think I think you know what? It it's 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 all it all has to match. So you gotta get the license yep. plate to go gotta through TikTok and your plate. and your mm-hmm. Instagram. Um I, I wanna talk about this just a little bit if you have time. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was thinking about um, and I know we talk about Barbara. Barbara Fredrickson, um, the whole positive psychology once in a while. Yep. and um the power of positive emotions. So, uh, you yeah. talk a lot about tiny little joys, which obviously I think produces positive emotions. Mm-hmm. What happens um in the brain when we give ourselves positive emotions? because um I'm also working on a, on a book about breakups, and I think mm-hmm. one of the prescriptions is, at least for me, um i had to and i kind of stumbled upon it i had to uh when i didn't have anything in life i had to find a way to give myself positive emotions so mm-hmm. i wasn't just in dread and worry it's kind of the yeah. vine that pulled me out of the quicksand and mm-hmm. it kind of lines up with, I mean, because when you talk about tiny little joys, you're not talking about winning the lottery or 911 Porsche turbos. Uh, those mm-hmm. can be joys as well. You're talking about, sure. you know, the morning uh, pour-over coffee or the hummingbird mm-hmm. in the window, and, and, and which really yep. makes uh, life go go from you know Pleasantville to like from black and white to color. Yep, totally. And, and um, I oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, I'll just I can relate because that was. 10 years of my rebirth, mm-hmm. um, when I was broke and I just, you know, I, I starved coffee came in star foam and <laughs> I, mm-hmm. um, listened to Wayne Dyer and I just walked around the streets in my little motorcycle. And it's like, it's all I had, but, yeah. um, I didn't know this, but I think I was changing my brain.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Because so we are in some sense like hardwired to imprint negative experiences because Mm -hmm. that keeps us alive. So if I remember, yeah, yeah, what made me sick, then I won't eat it again. And then I'm more likely to survive. So and that's that's adaptive and important. And we need that. The problem is that we have to manually imprint positive experiences. The really cool thing about that, though, is that the research has shown that when you do experience tiny little joys and imprint them, meaning like kind of sit with them for a moment, savor them, really Mm -hmm. like experience them and notice that you're experiencing them. You turn on something in the brain called the hope circuit, Mm -hmm. which because of the way that the brain circuitry works, it takes up a lot of energy. And so that turns down the fear circuit. And so the negativity loop that we sometimes get stuck in that's full of like your brain just trying to be like, hey, don't forget this bad thing. Don't forget that bad thing. Here's what keeps us safe. Don't forget all these negative experiences. That loop gets shut off and you are experiencing this very tiny, very accessible, very little thing. And just maybe for two minutes you're turning off the fear circuit and turning on the hope circuit. The more you do that, the quieter the negativity feedback loop gets, and the easier it becomes to access the hope circuit, which is also the part of the brain that helps us plan for the future, hope, Mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. So these things like sound very small, but they're critically important prescriptions against depression, against, Mm. um, you know, real grief and sadness and trauma. They They are really powerful things
0: they also overlap uh, gratitude and mindfulness yeah yep you know um, anything that expands you one, one of the things because I I'm the, I'm the guy that has to simplify things to understand that yep. brings the street level and sometimes I just break it down to is it expanding me or constricting me yeah. right are my shoulders hunched uh, because yeah. of fear panic am I running hiding numbing or yeah. is it expansive is it you know, so fear is hunched, love is expansive. So whether we're such a
1: great cue, both like cognitively and physically, because you could check in with yourself a hundred times a day and be like, where am I at? Am I doing this? Or am I like, yeah. And
0: and also who's in front of you and and what is your, what are shoulders doing? Um, so yeah, I, I, think, um, positive experiences um, I'm trying to tie it back to trauma bonding, but also it doesn't need to be tied back, but um, giving yourself positive, well, positive experiences, yeah. it, it's a huge piece of just life rewiring. And it
1: can, totally. And it can be tied back to trauma bonds. Cause I think what happens is when we're in a bad situation, we get this, this incorrect idea that we need something equally huge in goodness to counter mm-hmm. the situation that we're in that's bad. And what we know to be true on the brain level is that that's false. Yeah, these tiny little things and noticing them like you did in your experience where you were like, okay, the coffee in the styrofoam cups, the streets of LA, my motorcycle. Like the more you meditate on those things, the more you connect back to yourself, Mm. which then makes it possible for you to get out of sticky situations, to recognize where they came from, to do the integrating work, to make sure you don't repeat them again. So I think it is, it does relate back. Absolutely.
0: When you say connecting, connecting back to self, um, Mm. Which is also something that that I say as well, um, and we're kind of saying the same thing. But also, I love that we have um, mm-hmm. different angles on this. Uh, what happens in the brain when you do connect back to self? I always tell people that uh, the just a way that life is. As we mm-hmm. grow up and pay taxes, and you know, get married, have kids, we disconnect to the part of us that 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 was true. That was our solid self, mm-hmm. um, and connecting to the spirit of that person. Um, sometimes yep. is what growth is about. So this idea of a reunion, you know. And so, mm-hmm. um, what happens in your brain, you know, when I what happens in my brain when I do butterfly pull ups to connect to the twelve year old who was spitting on his head?
1: That yeah, I love that that image because I was think I was trying to think of one frantically. So the reason that I love so Bessel van der Kolk called this this set of um, brain structures the Mohawk of self awareness. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I love that it's a Mohawk is that it is this like rebellious, I think somewhere in our teenage years, we meet ourselves for the first time and we start rebelling mm. and we dye our hair purple and maybe yeah. we get a mohawk yeah. or yeah. we're spinning on our head and we're like, yes, I am a thing out in the world mm-hmm. and I am taking action, you know? <laughs> and so whenever you whenever you connect with tiny little joys, you're lighting up your mohawk of self-awareness. So you can visualize that as like, a bright pink or purple mohawk on the top of your head, mm-hmm. that every time you connect with a tiny little joy, that part of you lights up and you become the most rebellious, badass, centered
0: version of yourself. You find your cape. Yes, totally. You know, um, why I can relate to everything you're saying is, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but this is what happened when I decided yeah. to not work in treatment centers and tuck my shirt. I tried. I tried. It just, it, it I was, cons- my her- shoulders were on un- church, over and, um, you know, tucking yeah. my shirt in and wearing wrinkle, wrinkle free pants. It just wasn't me. Yeah. And so when I stopped that and I connected to, um, you know, more of an honest part of me and I was like, meet me at the coffee shop and then, you know, just tease your jeans and doing a couple of sessions at the park and all of that. My my mm-hmm. mohawk, my purple mohawk went up, yep. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, it's just like, yeah. That's,
0: but you know what? I think that's where our potential lives. I think that's where yes. we are uniquely ourselves. I think that's mm-hmm. where um, we can make a dent. Yep. Yeah.
1: Totally. I, I feel the same way about it. the academic world. Like, I man, I fit myself into that role super yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's no mohawk there, so.
0: No, but you have one now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's multicolored. It's, it's multicolored.: Yes, yeah. peacocking <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh what should we end with? Do you want to end with uh, a life revelation? Do you want to end with um, some questions to give the listener what do you want to end with? Or maybe a dad oh, joke? <laughs>
1: Let's end I, I like I love a dad joke. Um, I, don't, I don't
0: have any dad jokes.: You don't have any dad jokes no.
1: i um what's a life revelation you've had recently?
0: Oh, I have so many all the time, um, throughout the week. One life revelation or the most recent, you know, um, I mean, you know this, I've been, um, oh uh, yeah, I got one. So, um, I've been struggling, uh, in the last, I guess, year with, um, career writing, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I've been very fortunate to, um, publish books where they kind of, um, naturally were seamless and I didn't have a lot of problems. Uh, in my most recent one, um, uh, I've had a lot of problems that were out of my control, So, which is good for me, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so I got to experience something new and challenging. And um, the, the more I um, felt out of control, I said to myself, okay, I've been here before, even though it's different, and the solution is always going to be the same, John. You got to write yourself out of this. Mm-hmm. You got to write. You're not, you're not going to be able to call people. You're not going to be able to, you know, um, tap dance. You're not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Go to the coffee shop and do what you've been doing for the last 30 years. Write yourself mm-hmm. out of this. And I started saying that to myself. And that's what I did. I, <laughs> I went away for four days. And I fucking wrote like I used to write back in the day, 10 hours a yep. day. and. um I knocked out half a book. I mean, a lot of cut and paste. I'm not like, it that sure. wasn't a page one, but, um, yeah. but, um, the first half of the book, so 150 pages in four days of rearranging. Mm-hmm. And I was determined to write myself out of it. Um, turned that in, got a great response. And now I'm back on track and, and now the, 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 the problem's, um, I mean, I don't want to say problems, but yeah, now I've gotten I've gotten past the uh, uh, some of the uh, hurdles now and uh, we'll see what happens. But it wasn't like um, any kind of, uh, it, you know what it felt? It felt honest. It felt honest. Mm-hmm. Like I had to earn it, you know?
1: Yeah. You know what? I thought when you texted me that you were like, because I knew what was going on and then you were like, hey, I sent them back the book and this is the feedback that I got or whatever. Yeah. yeah. My first thought, and you hadn't even said that yet. Like, I didn't know any of this piece. My first thought was, like, oh, he's back.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 And I, and it wasn't like a false he's back because no. it wasn't like an announcement. It was like, put your head down and go work.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Like pr-
0: pr- prove to yourself um, by putting words on the page.
1: And, and in a way, returning, by to yourself, yes, right? by like, returning to com- yourself. Yeah. Like, you know how to do this. Go do it. You know? Yes. And it was just yes. Like, yeah.
0: So you're that the only was, person
1: in the world that could do that so fast.
0: I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about that, but but whatever that's, whatever, whatever yeah. it is you do in this case for me, it was that. But um, that was my my most recent life revelation, a pretty big one, is when there's a lot of noise or turbulence, kind of go back to the basics, go do what yeah. you know how to do. Yeah, you know. So that's one of my, my
1: favorite know. writing prompts comes from Buddy, your friend who I want yes. to be my friend Buddy Wakefield, Buddy uh, which Wakefield. is write yourself out of the war.
0: Oh, yeah, he does say that. Yes.
1: which I love, yeah. yeah,
0: that's, that's exactly what I did. I wrote myself out of the war of the battle. Maybe <laughs> it wasn't a war. But yeah. Um,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. What is your most most recent revelation?
1: You know, it's funny, I had a, um, I I, don't, I haven't checked with him, but I think he'll be okay with me sharing this. I have a I have a friend who is going through a health journey, and he had an emergency mm. brain surgery last week, um, actually on my birthday, which I was really grateful for, because I was like, well, if I have any leverage, in you know the universe, maybe my birthday is the day I have leverage. Um, mm. And he ended up being fine. Um, we don't know what's going to happen next, but um, we had this super deep conversation when when he got home on Friday, and I it was just this incredible reset of like the the shit that you think matters probably doesn't matter, and yeah. there's no need to feel shame about that because the whole world is structured to make you think that all that shit is important. But, like, if you can find a moment to have a meaningful conversation with someone you might not get to talk to again, it's such a gift because it's just this huge perspective shift, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. like maybe it's these conversations that's the whole fucking point of our life.
0: Oh, like I this love
1: conversation that. right now. Maybe yeah, it's about yeah. the hang, you know, not about yeah. some big achievement or some big meaning, sure. but just about like being together, you know?
0: I love that the power in the moment, right? Little things are big.
1: Little things are big.
0: Yes.
1: Big conversations or little conversations are big. You
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, this conversation. We're gonna have many more.
1: Thank you. This um, was great. Yeah.
0: You, you know. You know what's interesting is, uh, and also maybe this is a therapist in me. Um, it's not just about what's on the surface when, when we talk about relationships, whether we're talking about friendships or intimate relationships. Um, there's mm-hmm. so much more happening that we don't see. And oh
1: yeah.
0: I think one of the things that you do for me, um, just because we have so much history, is um, it doesn't matter what we talk about, I feel grounded when oh, we have an yay. exchange. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, and it doesn't totally have to do. be it's not even about the yep. reminder. Um it's just mm-hmm. about us being in the same room and, and having some words or a coffee um and it doesn't we could be in the mountains we could be on zoom we can be uh it doesn't matter um and i think part of that is because i mean we've known each i mean you know my entire story and i know yours so like yeah for so long you know so there's (laughs) uh, a there's a there's a safe tree part of it that um oh yeah totally friendship right
1: i love the safe tree thing i feel the same way i also feel like my thing when whenever i talk to you is that you cut through all the noise and it's whatever we talk about feels like it's like right at the center of the thing you know mm. which i don't know if that makes sense outside of my own head but that yeah, is a very does. grounding feeling of like okay we're gonna talk about the thing like finally all this yeah. fuckery now we're gonna talk about yeah the thing.
0: yeah i love it well thank you for uh talking about the thing today was trauma bonds and uh yeah. hope you got a lot out of it go follow dr mc and uh be well
1: thank you bye